Welcome to the Doggy Dojo. I'm your host, Susan Light, a Los Angeles-based dog trainer on a quest to become worthy of the title Sensei of the Doggy Dojo. Today, I'm addressing a listener request, fear of loud noises, or as we're more likely to refer to it during the episode, noise aversion. We're going to discuss fireworks, thunderstorms, trash trucks, what makes some dogs afraid, what can be addressed with training, and when you should go to the vet for medication. I'm joined by the owner of Dog Trained, who has worked through this issue not only with clients' dogs, but with her very own as well. She has some great insights, resources, and recommendations for us. Please welcome Gwen Padolka. Welcome to the podcast, Gwen. Hi, Susan. It's great to be here. Yay. Dog. Yay. <laughs> Love talking about dogs, clearly, or I wouldn't have a podcast about it. <laughs> um, so your business, Dog Trained, you guys posted a post about noise aversion. Um, is, that a, is that a good term, noise aversion, noise sensitivity? Are they two different things? You know, it's interesting. Um, I actually, I, I, it was recently that I actually heard Dr. Karen Overall talk about it. And she was like, apparently the FDA made Cilio, which is a medication to help mm-hmm. our, our noise sensitive dogs. The FDA made them say noise aversion, but she refers to it as noise reactivity. And so I'm like, I'm, I'm oh. kind of stuck because part of me likes to make it just simple, but I'm like, I like both terms. I get it. I definitely like, I consider my own dog noise reactive. She has like big unwanted responses to, you know, noises that happen in her environment. That's so interesting that the government is confusing everything. (laughs) Right. Right. And while I'm like, Oh, it kind of makes sense because not every dog avoids the noises. Some of them actually have these really unwanted lunging at the noises and they don't avoid them. They're not kind of doing that. They're reacting to them in a way I don't want them to react. Yeah. Which is reactivity. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. So let's, um, by the way, when you mentioned Dr. Karen overall, we do discuss in a different episode, the relaxation protocol that's in our separation anxiety episode, um, for anyone that wants to check that out. And there's a link to the actual protocol, uh, in those show notes. So if anyone's interested, it's a great place to start for all kinds of reactivity, really. Yes. And, um, let's talk about this. Okay. So then I'm going to not fret so much about whether we're saying, noise aversion, noise reactivity, noise sensitivity. Uh, we won't, you know, quibble on, on terms since we don't work for the government. Um, <laughs> but let's start with like normal dog reactions because like in socialization, one of the things you should definitely be socializing your dog to is the big scary noises. Um, so maybe you can avoid having to do all this work later. Right. With everybody going and getting puppies, especially this past year, these upcoming months, we see a bunch of puppies coming up the road. It's so helpful to start exposing your puppy puppy to some noises that they're going to experience. Maybe not now, but in two months, because I know one of the reasons that you also reached out to me was you said somebody had commented about fireworks being a specific issue. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, let's talk about that now, because let's not wait until July 4th and try to deal with it that week. <laughs> Absolutely. Like, Such a good point. Yeah. Yeah, we this was a this was better. a listener request for me was uh, specifically fireworks and thunderstorms, um, which of course are big scary noises that I know we're going to talk about. But starting with like your more mundane, your trash truck, right? Your big mm-hmm. semi rolling down the roads, roads. So traffic noises, which uh, for those of us in cities is a big deal. 
I, and actually, I'm kind of curious, Susan, where, what city are you in? I'm in L.A. Okay. So I'm yeah. in D.C. So um, I think it's kind of funny that you say the government doesn't control me, but I think half of my clients are government. <laughs> <laughs> so I think they're true. You are in a government town. Yeah. <laughs> so um, noises, trash trucks are actually, if, if we can start there, that's awesome because that's actually my own personal biggest problem and so much of what we see with our clients because you step out our front door and we've got the trash trucks and the buses and the constant construction right now. Everything oh, is yeah. going around us all the time we had a house uh demolition um two doors down which actually made me reach out to my own vet behaviorist again this week and say hey i need a little more help because i have a puppy who's up at 7 a.m puppy she's a two and a half year old german shepherd um mm -hmm. and she's up at 7 a 7 a.m pacing and pacing and pacing and hiding in the shower because it's a small quiet space that she can go hide in and uh... i saw i saw these reactions in and looping back to what you said a moment ago, like it's sometimes it's like you have to figure out how to help people notice that their dog even has a problem because sometimes mm -hmm. it seems something that seems a little benign. Oh my gosh, my dog is up and pacing and they want to hide in the bathroom. Do they just, do they need to go to the bathroom? What's going on with this? And we don't always recognize like fear and anxiety for what it is because it can look different within everybody's own dog. Right. It looks all, mm -hmm. all looks a little different. Um, but, and I know for us, I'm going to say off the top of my head, I'm like, oh yeah, my ta dog's tail tucking the ears, folding back, the pacing, the hiding in the shower. My dog had an issue. I know there was an issue. What was it? Oh, 7 a.m. hammering every single morning. Um, and the trash trucks was our initial problem two years ago that we have gone, uh, come a long, long way on. Um, and she no longer hides on trash truck days, which makes me so happy. Oh, I'm verbally... Yeah, I'm verbally vomiting. <laughs> make, make this a little organized. You're going to get me get me launched down one okay. of my favorite topics. So, no, I love it. So this is why I wanted you here to talk about it. So, um, yeah, so let's start with, like, why dogs are so noise sensitive. Because, first of all, your dogs can hear things that you can't hear. Your dogs have stronger, more sensitive hearing than you do. Um, so, you know, that's why there may be more attuned to it. And I still think it's not their dominant sense. Their dominant sense is probably their sense of smell. Um, but you know, it's right up there with how the dogs are experiencing the world. So, um, the other thing that I would say when you're talking about like the pacing, the tail tucking would be like scanning the environment and their ears moving around. Um, yes. and this is the fact that they're tracking some kind of noise that can be a good indication that, it's a noise. If their ears are moving around trying to figure out what's going on, they're scanning the environment, looking for the source of this noise. Um, so let's start, let's go back to your puppy. So if you've got a puppy, um, I do have another episode, not to keep plugging my other episodes, but like, cause I don't want to <laughs> retread all this area about puppy socialization, how important it is in that critical period, which is younger than people think. Um, cause it starts really the age starts before you're getting the puppy. So as soon as you get that puppy, you want to start socializing before the window closes, um, to textures, sounds, people, places, all kinds of experiences. And then, um, we want obviously to be positive that they, they see, Oh, a big, scary trash truck went by your puppy's going to look at it and look to you and be like, what was that? And you will be like, Oh, that's just a trash truck. Here's a treat. Here's a treat. You know? Yeah. calm, yeah. positive experiences. That would be your ideal. Um, and then hopefully you get a puppy that grows up in a city that's 
pretty unfazed by all those noises. Um, and then we'll talk about fireworks and thunderstorms. Um, I like, I like where you're going. I love teaching people the whole, the whole idea of, of learning how to, learning how to have parties with your dog, right? And we want to do some nice classical association. Here's something in your environment and it means good things happen. And sometimes we have to start with teaching people like how to play with your dogs. Can you get down on the floor? Can you throw some treats around? Can you get them being all silly, all wiggly, their tails helicoptering, their little feet kind of doing little popcorn feet things and moving around and get that open mouth and those up ears, those big smiley faces. And I'm like, can you get your dog to that happy party space where they're like, yes, this is fun. This is engaging. I, sometimes we start with that in the house too. And so we want to mm -hmm. be like, can you bring out that, that emotional side of your dog? That's just like so engaged with you. And they're kind of maybe even being a little bit naughty and they're bouncing on you because you got low and you're doing some personal play stuff with them. And they're really kind of having a great time. And then we're looking, all right, like, yes, let's bring the noises into the environment or go outside and find them. I was, I'm thinking back to my head already and I'm like, oh, yeah, the hypervigilance that stepping outside the door and your dog's like looking around with their ears and they're going, mm -hmm. oh my gosh, what's coming at me. You mm -hmm. can also get in the city, that dog, you step out the door and then they just collapse like a concrete block on the ground. And they're like, nope, not moving today. Mm, and everybody goes, yeah. my dog is, my dog is being stubborn. They, ju they just don't want to go. And I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. I'm like, oh yes, but no, but yes, but Yes, they're being stubborn because they're worried about everything that's coming at them visually, audibly. And so can mm -hmm. we can we start changing that so they're ready to go be curious about the world and explore it? Yeah. I mean, think about I think about the time I moved to New York when I was 18 years old, right? And I was like, oh, you know, the city, oh, walking down the streets or whatever. Um, and I was in control of that. And it was still incredibly overwhelming. And I was 18. Uh, think about your four and you're dropped in the middle of that and you're being drug around and you have no control over it. I yep. mean, this is what what's happening to puppies in cities. You know, they don't have a lot of control over their environment. You're completely controlling it. Um, and yeah, it's, it's all brand new and they're very young. Yep. And you're told that you're going to a good place, but you don't believe it yet. And you're not sure about it yet. And you just want to take some time to learn about it first. Yeah. Yeah. So give the give them chance to look around. And this is something else that um, I really hope people can learn is that, you know, your puppy looking at things and looking back at you is what you want. That's exactly what we spend a lot of time trying to get reactive dogs to do. So, you know, if they're looking at that trash and they look back at you and they're saying, what's going on? Should I be worried about this? You know, they're looking for your calmness and a nice treat and you not shoving them towards it a little bit further, <laughs> you know, protection, yeah, calmness. Especially when a puppy can look, notice something and then kind of orient back towards you. It's sort of a social engagement. It's like, what do you think about that? And you know that they trust you enough to be like, help me understand what's going on in my life. And so if you've got mm -hmm. that basic trust foundation, your dog is noticing something and they're orienting back to you. Then they're like, please help me with this. And you're like, we got this kid. And you can make decisions. We can move forward. We can run away. We could stop there and investigate the noise mm -hmm. in the environment more carefully. We're going to take a short break. Remember, you can find Gwen and her company, Dog Trained, on Instagram at Dog Trained or head straight to our website, www.dogtrained.com. Those links as well as links to all of these amazing resources and suggestions from Gwen are in the show notes and on my website. We'll see you in a minute. 
we started off kind of thinking about puppies and ex- being able to expose them to things like right now. And we've, we've, can, we've talked about everything that happens to them outside, trucks, buses, fireworks, thunderstorms, okay? And then we've mm-hmm. got this cute little puppy, and we're learning how to play with them, and we're learning how to get silly with them. And if you want, there are two really easy ways to kind of make sure that your puppy doesn't all of a sudden get overwhelmed by everything outside. And one of that would be to take to take a couple of noise ideas and bring them into the house. Um, oh, yes. And there are yeah and there are two there is a great app called soundproof puppy which is a really excuse me a really easy way to kind of start and stop some very some very big city noises cats meowing babies crying trucks driving by fireworks thunderstorms it's a really easy way to be like oh my gosh let me play this sound where i can control it i can control the volume when it starts when it stops so i can play the sounds of you know the trash truck going by oh my god we're gonna have that party we're gonna play we're gonna be silly but your dog doesn't have to be surrounded by it outside especially if you're in a big city and Mm -hmm. then um and i'm and I'm also going to say, too, that sometimes if sometimes we bring home these little puppies and we're like, we're not even sure what they're going to do and how they're going to respond to the environment. Sometimes doing really easy things like you could pick up a pen or a wooden spoon and let them see it and investigate it or a little cardboard box. Just drop it right there, just like an inch. Let them see it. Let them sniff it. Let them smell it. Drop it on the floor. Oh, my God. Treat party happens. We're going to play. We're going to grab that tug toy. And right there in the house, like you guys having a rainy day, um, a super hot day. I don't. It is 85 degrees today, and my dogs are already like, yep, nope, we're in the shade. We don't want to do anything. I'm like, great. We're going to do indoor training today. So we're mm-hmm. going to bring some more noises into the house and make sure that they are comfortable and confident. And we're still thinking forward to July 4th. Just by playing yeah. some games indoors. Yeah, I love that. I love that. We actually, in puppy preschool, we have like a cassette tape that we play that has all those kinds of noises for the puppies. So I, it makes sense that, you know, we've come to the technology of it being on an app so much better. <laughs> yeah. So um, I think that's fantastic. And the game of like dropping it. So again, I want to, we want to say like, you're not intentionally startling them. You're introducing the idea of of them being startled because it's going to happen if that makes sense yes yes yeah yeah so you know you're not throwing stuff around the puppy to try to bomb proof them but gradually doing it and i think it was your um instagram where you were you were dropping spoons near your dog um but like on a rug first to kind of even make it calmer to start yeah, and I'm thinking, I think what we were using, and I'm, I'm not 100% sure at the moment, but my guess is that we, I might have even been using um, empty metal water cans um, or soda cans at that point in time. So at first I was just kind of dropping it on the rug. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes it would drop on the rug and, and then so drop the metal aluminum can on the rug and good things happen, treat parties. And then I was dropping it on the rug and maybe it would roll onto the wood floor and it would make noise. And then I got my own, this is my noise sensitive German shepherd. I was like, I want you to make the noise happen. I want you to control how much noise is happening when it's happening. So I got her to start shoving the cans around with her nose. Mm -hmm. And so she could, she could shove it over onto the carpet. That treats happen. She shoved it over onto the wood floor, (gasps) more treats happen. And then I'd watch her and I'd be like, do you want to come back and play the game some more so that you're starting to really just knock those multiple cans over onto the wood floor so they were making all sorts of clattering noises, but she got to control when it would happen. And if she's like, nah, I don't really want to do this anymore. Cool. Awesome. We'll mm-hmm. take a break. No problem. Yeah. 
Um, I, I think it would be great. I'll try if we can link that video, because I think that's a great video um, in the show notes so people can see it. Uh, the kind of training you can do for noise specifically. Um, yes. That'd be awesome. I'm gonna, I and I'm giving out a little, a, I wrote myself a little note. I'll try to remind you. <laughs> and I'm going to give, I'm going to give a two huge shout outs, Dr. Amy Cook. And then um, the school of canine science, Joe, Rosie Haffenden and Nando Brown was like really helped me kind of be like, Oh, right. I don't have to just do things for the dog. We could have the dog start to tell me when they were ready to do the next thing. And it was so helpful. It just made, it made the whole training games very kind of cooperational and they got to choose when to start and when to stop. And it was just like, okay, I know I'm not pushing you too hard. I'm not putting you in the scariest place. And I'm coming from a point where at five months old, I knew I had a super noise reactive dog. A lot of mm. times when clients reach out to me, we already know there's a problem. And I'm like, oh, okay, now we have to, now we have to get our dogs engaged in in the training process and they can engage by telling us when they're ready to start and move forward. Yeah. Yeah. Consent is such a huge deal uh, for these dogs. And I, I love that we're starting to talk about that with dogs for training um, because like I said, they have no control over their environment and that's part of the problem sometimes. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So giving them some control can do a lot. Um, great. So I love that game. I love that idea. I love that app. I'm going to, link all those things because those are great resources for this kind of stuff. But let's say that, you know, you did all of that and your, your dog still has an issue with thunderstorms. Lots of dogs do. Your dog still hates fireworks. Um, and yes, 4th of July is horrible, but I don't know about you, but New Year's, there was fireworks for like three or four days, just randomly going off through my neighborhood. So it's not always just 4th of July. Um, last, yeah, so last year, Last year, fireworks started here on um, uh, June 29th and ran every single night except for two through August 5th. Whoa. I was ready to, like, I can't tell you the number of times I wanted to cry and how much I protected my dog and how much we were talking to clients about safety first, safety first. Leash on your dog, tags on your dog, do not take them out after dark because the fireworks were nonstop because people didn't have the normal outlets that they had in previous years because of COVID. So we're doing things at home to entertain ourselves. And it, it kind of broke my heart. Yeah. <laughs> Such a good point. So I love that. So making sure the dog has tags, obviously not taking them out after night, after dark. Um, that's because a, obviously a terrified dog can bolt, right? Yes. So if your dog has, has those big fear issues, they, you, they might get away from you, even if you think they won't. Um, but inside they can still hear them. So uh, what kinds of things do you do? Do you, I don't want to say, do you jump straight to medication, but let's talk about like, when medication is appropriate and when we can do training and when they can work together. I'm going to, I'm going to try to not, I'm trying to try to walk that very fine line. I am of course, just a certified professional trainer. I'm not a vet. I am not a vet behaviorist, mm -hmm. but what I love being able to tell clients is like, let's bring in your vet, let's bring in your vet behaviorist and let's ask the questions of whether they think um, medications would be appropriate for your dog. Life-changing game altering decision for me. Um, I, 
for I have been training for almost 25 years. I started with service dogs. I've done so many different avenues. Um, actually, I started in a shelter, went to service dogs. Um, I now train um, very, very city dogs. We do tons of puppies, tons of behavior modification for reactive dogs. But um, I did not used to be on this train. I used to be like, nope, meds are a last resort. Can't do it. Wouldn't do it. It's mm -hmm. going to change my dog. I hate it. I, I honestly, it was another trainer that looked at me and said, Gwen, I can get on an airplane and I can white knuckle my way to get to Disney and have the time of my life because I love Disney more than anything else. And she said to me, she's like, when I take drugs, I can pick up a book and I can read a book. Mm -hmm. It doesn't like, and I'm like, wait a minute, if it works like that way for people, maybe I should reconsider the way it works for dogs and let my vet, my vet behaviorist help me. Game changing for me. Absolutely game changing. I would not my own personal dog, let alone my client's dogs, would not be as well off as they were without having those conversations with the vet um, yeah. about how medications can help the brain be more functional and allow your dog to be able to learn. Um, and whether that's because we're addressing a pain issue or a fear issue, I love having these conversations and approaching training from sort of that holistic perspective and getting those vets and vet behaviors involved. Absolutely. And people have strong feelings about medications. Um, and a lot of people think of it as sort of like a failure, like, oh, I wasn't able to fix it, quote unquote. But I agree with you that I think that the sentiment is changing to where it's like, it's such a great tool. And it's just going to mean the dog has to go through so much less struggle. If that yes. makes sense. Yes, we went from we went from I'm doing all the things I'm playing um, I'm playing pattern games I'm throwing treat parties especially on Thursday mornings trash truck mornings I'm doing all the things and I had a five month old puppy in my house who was like well I can't walk down this street anymore because I remember there was a trash truck and I can't remember walk down this street anymore because I know the buses are over there and I'm not even gonna and then we got to the point where she's like I can't even leave the house at this morning or this time in the evening, because I'm worried that that thing might happen. We got, we had less and less control over, even though I was doing all the things, we had more and more sort of agoraphobia. Like, I just can't go that direction because she, you could tell my dog was worried about what might potentially happen, even though I was doing all the right things. And we were okay. Her life was becoming smaller and smaller and smaller. We weren't hiding up in our closet anymore, but her life was becoming smaller and smaller and smaller. Mm. And I was like, I need help. I need help. Yeah. I need, I, and I talked to the vet behaviorist and we got, um, in this instance, we got started on um, Purina Calming Care, an over-the-counter probiotic. And then we got um, also started on Reconcile. And then just, and I would say, oh my gosh, like over six weeks, eight weeks we, our life expanded. We started going down the sidewalk. We started revisiting those streets she couldn't go on anymore. We would start going to those streets where we actually knew there were problems and everything was getting better and better and better. And our world was just getting better. And then I wanted to, I want to talk really briefly about some things I know anecdotally and in person from like other trainers and clients. And like, there's two, there are two drugs out there now um, that I definitely have um, closer closer experience with cilio and gabapentin mm -hmm. um they're sort of more fast acting uh drugs that are that i would consider life altering for me or for my clients dogs um when the vet behaviors told us hey you could try gabapentin 
um, very, very anecdotally, I'm like, okay, so this house next door to us starts coming down. My dog is now hiding back up in the shower. I reach out to my vet behaviors and I said, I need some more help. What else can I do? What am I missing in my training package? What am I missing in my day-to-day interactions? And she's like, can we try Cilio? And I'm like, you know what? I tried it a year ago, saw no results whatsoever with my own personal dog. And she's like, let's try gabapentin. That day, the day we tried it, I had a dog who was not only not hiding anymore, but she was playful, silly, hanging outside on the back porch for hours at a time of her own choosing. I wanted to cry. I, 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 mm, ah, instant game changer for, for us, for us. And I'm like, you got it when you're struggling again. I'm like, reach out to that vet and that vet behaviors again. I'm like, there are so many other things that they can do. It's not just a one and done. There's so many other things that they can do and try. And um, I actually, uh, it was funny. I was talking to a different group this morning. And even, uh, even I think recently you've talked with uh, Juliana Williams. Yes. And uh, she was talking about how Cilio was game changing for her little pup for thunderstorms. And she's just like, it's night and day difference. It's like, it takes effects within like 30 minutes. And then the next couple hours of thunderstorms are just not a big deal. And I'm like, I love that for her. Yeah, that's incredible. So I, if you go to your regular vet, that's fine. If you can get into a vet behaviorist, I know around here is about a two month wait to get into a vet behaviorist. Yes. Um, specifically, I do know some of them are doing virtual consults. So you may be able to get in sooner to somebody that's not actually in your area, but I don't know, they might want blood tests, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, but, but do what you can, get in, talk to these people. Um, and I love that you say, you know, if one does, didn't work or didn't work for you a year ago, it doesn't mean that there's not something else that they can try. Uh, for humans, we have to do that. We have to try different meds, see how they go until you find the right one. Yes. So that makes sense. And, and I, also, I also like the fact, too, that I'm like, there, there is no, the thing that I learned personally about dogs and medications and fears and anxieties is your dog doesn't end up, and we don't want them to end up being a different version of themselves. They shouldn't be sleeping all the time. They shouldn't be doped out. They shouldn't have, we shouldn't have a different dog. We should have a dog that can recover better and yeah. notice things. And when you throw that treat party, they're like, Oh, so I, I noticed that thing. Instead of just panicking, I noticed we have a treat party. And it's just, ah, uh, it's game changing. <laughs> well, I, I love that. And that leads right into what my next question is, which is um, generally when we say, you know, you want to bring in meds, you don't generally want the meds to be the solution, which is why I honestly prefer a vet behaviorist if you can see one as opposed to a vet. Um, yep. because I don't want them to say here, this prescription is going to fix it. Just keep them on these all the time or, or forever or whatever. Um, but do you find that you are able then to desensitize the dogs? Like basically, will there ever be a time that they won't need the meds or anytime there's a thunderstorm, it's just, they're going to take it and then they'll be okay. Or enough times with it and using your treat parties and your training, can the dog eventually be okay without it? Is that ever a goal? You know, I'd, I'd actually talked to my own vet behaviorist about this, and I can say that, you know, I've seen some dogs go 100% once they get, once they, especially in, in our area, 
a lot of our adopted dogs come in from Virginia, West Virginia, Tennessee, much quieter, calmer areas. We drop them in the city and they're like, oh my gosh, this is, um, this is a very scary environment. I've mm -hmm. never seen anything like this. I'm not a puppy anymore. My brain isn't as flexible. I can't work. And I've seen some of them use, um, use, use drugs to just get them going in the right direction, get mm -hmm. them adapted to new home, new people, new sights, new sounds. And all of a sudden the dog's like, I got this. My brain is functional. I wasn't genetically predisposed to all of these, you know, things being a traumatic experience forever for me. And I can, they can come off of it. Um, others of us, I think we have dogs that are genetically wired to um, have mm -hmm. some issues with uh, with noises. And I know like I see it in the German shepherds, the Australian shepherds, um, the border collies, we've got some more genetics working against us. And so then I'm like, okay, you know what? I'm okay thinking that my dog's quality of life on this medication mm -hmm. is a thousand times better. And I will happily make that choice. Hands down, no problem. Got it. So I'm like, yeah. okay, it's something you got to figure out and work with. And I'm like, that's this is where we are right now. Um, I know I have an almost three-year-old dog. So sometime in the next year as her brain develops into its true, you know, adult brain, I'm going to talk to the vet behaviors about should we consider weaning the meds off? Is this the right way? What are we doing? Because I don't want to long-term affect her physical health, but I will also take happy mental health with doing the best that I can for her physical health over having a stressed out, anxious dog. Yeah, absolutely. And so much better because we've talked about trying to keep dogs sub threshold because they can't, like you said, their brains don't work if you're in, if they're over threshold. So keeping them, keeping all those uh, chemicals from flooding into their brain, which causes, I mean, we talk about the damage that humans get with stress, right? With chronic stress yes. all the time. It's bad for our hearts. It's bad for our blood vessels. It's bad for us. It's bad for your dog to live in a constant state of stress. It's terrible. And and I'm going to jump in here and I'm, and I'm going to, because I know some people might just be jumping in for the first time ever and being like, what do you mean sub-threshold? Sub-threshold is that beautiful moment where your dog notices something in the environment and they can still check in with you. They can notice that you're part of the environment and the training and, and that's what we're looking for. And when we're talking about over-threshold, we're talking about dogs that are like, they notice that thing and then you are persona non grata to them. There's yep. nothing you can do to make them feel better or get them to do something. Sit, come, down, stay, which I don't even care about that. I just want a happy dog with nice manners who's maybe mm -hmm. a little naughty. <laughs> I like my yeah. dog to be a little naughty. <laughs> well, I love also that, you you know, when you find the right med, that they're not zoned out. Cause that's, I think another fear um, because I think a lot of people, their first experience might have been like a tranquilizer to help a dog travel or something like that. And yes. like yes. that's when they think of a dog taking a drug, a pharmaceutical, that's where their mind goes. And that's their fear that that's what their dog would become. And I can hear, I am here to say that the right drug made my own dog and many of my clients' dogs not doped out sleepy. It made them playful and silly and normal. It was lovely. It was Love lovely it. to see the differences. Yeah. So that's what you're going for and keep working with your vet and your vet behaviorist uh, until you can find that. Um, mm -hmm that correct thing. That's awesome. So let's talk about things that aren't drugs. I mean, I have a CBD episode that came out on 420. That's always something you can try, but like 
What do you think of thunder shirts and calming caps? <laughs> love them. Love them. I love them. And I love them. And here's what I'm going to say. I love them for some dogs because mm -hmm. some dogs, you can put a calming cap. They, uh, calming cap will reduce the visual um, aspects. They also make doggy earmuffs. Um, mm. And thunder shirts are those tight little dog wraps. And yeah. I, <laughs> I live for I think about they have seven weighted, years. They're like weighted blankets kind of thing. Yes. It like presses yes. on their body. Yes. I lived, um, I lived and trained for seven years in Orlando, Florida. And we used to have this, we had this awesome little, um, client with her little dachshund. And as soon as in, in Florida, thunderstorms happened every day, four o'clock, this is what you're going to get for like 10 minutes. And it was so cute because the little dachshund would go run and grab his thunder shirt and bring it to mom to put it on him. Oh, like, so ah! cute. Oh, so cute. Um, so I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan of trying them, but I feel like you can't just slap a thunder shirt on your dog in the middle of a thunderstorm and expect the yeah. dog to be desensitized to the thunderstorm. Some mm -hmm. dogs are like, whoa, you're putting this thing on me in the middle of the thunderstorm and now I'm going to become sensitized to it. And I'm actually not going to like it when you put things on me. And um, so I'm like, hey, read Ooh, the instructions. <laughs> right? yeah. We want to read the instructions and we want to get the dogs into the thunder shirts, <clears throat> excuse me, and help them learn that this is decompression time we're going to give them some good chews so they can work out some of their anxiety while they're snuggled into this nice safe vest with maybe some white noise on or some good relaxing music a good talk show to kind of muffle the sounds that are coming from the outside if your dog is disturbed by noises in the outside because I know we have some puppies that also get super sensitized to <clears throat> um, the beeping of the fire alarm in my house might cause some anxiety <laughs> because my bad cooking sets it off uh, on the that's funny uh, yeah. That's so. That's such a good point that you can create a really negative association uh, with that. And I'm glad that you mentioned that as well. The the chew. So things that are naturally soothing to dogs, chewing and licking. Um, and you might notice your dog starts to lick themselves, and it can become yes. like they're trying to self soothe. Um, and obviously, like some licking is totally normal. But we don't want them to lick themselves raw or chew themselves raw. So giving them a licky mat or a chew um, can start promoting that self-soothing uh, thing without it being damaging to them. Right. Stuffing multiple Kongs, keeping them in your freezer so you've got things ready to go when you can't control the noises that happen in your environment because thunderstorms aren't always as predictable as we would like. So having things mm -hmm. that are ready to go that your dog finds valuable. I'm like, sometimes I do. I just want to be like, just don't notice that thing here. Please just don't notice that thing. Let me give you a different outlet. And um, I'm going to I'm going to try to protect you as much as I can give you that safe, quiet space as much as possible with something else to do. So you don't even need to pay attention to what's going on in your world. Yeah. And do you ever bring, we talked about bringing in the sounds with the soundproof puppy app. Do you ever try to bring in the sounds of fireworks or thunderstorms to work specifically with desensitization when you have control over it? <laughs> I absolutely do. And so if we're, if we're bringing in the sounds of fireworks into the house and we're like, okay, I'm going to play the sound of fireworks and play it kind of loud or kind of quiet or kind of loud. And we're going to have some treat parties and we're going to get some things going. It's, it's an awesome way to 
control the environment, control that thing mm. that it might might be upsetting to our dogs. And I know sometimes I hear from my clients, they're like, yeah, my dog doesn't even notice the noise when it's in the house. They don't even care. And I'm like, I want you to go a step further. I want you to have your dog experience that noise and then they actually get joyful and excited and happy. And so we're going to, we're going to change the mindset. So this noise actually means something, not just that you feel like they don't notice it, but I want you to, to I want you to have them not notice it, but I want you to have them notice it and something amazing happens because then we're starting to really weight the scale of, oh my gosh, this noise can happen and it's not just neutral. This noise can happen and something amazing happens because they are correct. When the noise happens outside, it is louder. It makes yeah. the earth shake. Yep. Yeah. There's like the reverberation that you really can't double. Yep. So we want them to experience it. So I don't want them to just be neutral to it inside. So in order to kind of start weighting that balance in my favor, I can't have them be just neutral to it. I have them to think that the noises that I can bring into the environment and control, great, beautiful, wonderful things are going to happen. Full on Disneyland for puppies. It's amazing. And um, then I'm going to be slightly, my scale will be slightly better balanced to, okay, those noises that I can't control outside with the reverberations, I can bring you inside, put you in a bubble, give you noises, give you the thunder shirt, and I can still provide you with mini treat parties. But now I start to see the dogs being able to actually eat those treats. The mm. the dogs that the dogs that kind of break my heart, and I'm like, please talk to your vets and vet behaviors. Those scenarios are um, your dog. If your dog can't even eat when they hear the noise, yeah. if they stop walking, if they get avoidant, I'm like, please talk to your vet and vet behaviorist. And like, that's not. It's, it's outside of the realm of normal. And so we need to start making sure we're checking all the boxes of, did we do everything to help bring your dog to the best place possible? Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And very possibly if you live near like a train or a, I don't know, something that happens more on the regular um, that you have no control over, you may be having that conversation earlier rather than later. Oh, a hundred percent. Yep. The, um, the environment we live in mean that I was meant that I was talking to my vet behaviorist with my dog at five months old. Mm -hmm. And when, when we have puppies come in for our play dates and our training dates, we always were like, we're noticing it. We're knocking on the walls and we're like, Ooh, did you see that puppy startle? Oh, but look at that. They're right back to playing with the other dogs and the toys. He's got this. He recovered really quickly, but that puppy over there tucked its tail and is still under the chair five minutes later. I've got a problem. Let's address yep. it. Let's address it now. Get out in front of it so no owner ever feels like they're overwhelmed um, and, and they don't have the puppy that they wanted to enjoy and take yeah. places. Yeah, yeah, I love that. I, I love if you can get them to actually like the noises. Because if you think about like, we like fireworks. That's why we love keep them. setting them off. Yep. Yeah. So that'd be great. Um, yeah. Did we, did we, I feel like, did we cover it all? Did, I, is there more? I feel like we could talk forever, but. I, <laughs> we probably could. We probably get into all sorts of more details, but I think we've got a nice good, you got a nice good overview. Yeah. I love that. And such a great way to start. If you have a puppy that you're trying to avoid getting some noise aversion, or you have a dog that's on that, a scale of, you know, how severe it is. Um, yeah, I guess I, I would ask maybe more about the calming care probiotic. Um, and again, I know you're not a like a vet 
vet or a vet nutritionist or anything, but um, you said you started that at the same time as one of the meds. Uh, so maybe it's hard to tell, but you, you found a lot of value in that one and it's over the counter. I did. It, uh, the Purina probiotic calming care is over the counter. Um, and I, <laughs> I would say initially I wasn't sure it was, a, it was going to be effective, but I, I can now say that I'm a hundred percent sure that I'm not going off of it anytime soon because I ran out of it. I ran out of it about six months ago and I'm like, okay, I'm just going to go without it this month and we're just going to see what happens. No. Um, oh, you I noticed saw, a difference. Oh, I 100% saw a difference. And it was the only thing that had kind of changed within our environment in our routine. So I wasn't, you know, I, you know, you we always have to talk about causation and correlation, but I'm like for that month, that was really the only thing that had been a major change, and I saw all of a sudden a lot more sensitivity. So the I can the idea behind the having a good probiotic on board is that there are all these serotonin receptors in the gut, and the mm. serotonin receptors, when they're working functionally, um, help the brain work better. And there's all I have some amazing clients that are. Um, into um, working with Alzheimer's with people. And they talk about how they now think there might be a correlation even with the gut serotonin receptors in Alzheimer's. And I think that's a whole other fascinating subject that we're not talking about. But like, it's interesting because I'm seeing the idea that if we can get the gut working really, really well, our brains are more functional. And so I'm like, okay, I like that. That's why I decided to bring the uh, probiotic on board and why I'm pretty sure I'm never going to drop it again because when I did, I saw an immediate vast difference. And it was such an easy thing. Put it on the food. It's a little powder. Put it on mm -hmm. the food every day. She loves it. She snarfs it up. No problems. It's just become part of the daily routine and a habit that I'm not worried about at all. And so um, it was a really easy addition for us to add in there. And that is, I will say, um, that is the probiotic is one of those things that we suggest all the time to clients. And across the board, we've had really great feedback with it. And so I'm like, yes, yes. If we can throw something at a puppy over the counter, the vets are on board. They're supporting us. <laughs> let's do it. Let's do yeah, it. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of research going on right now about the gut brain connection. So oh, that's great. Cool. Well, thank you so much. And, le and le I just don't want to cut you off if there's anything else that you wanted to talk about. But I, I, that's all my questions that I had. No, this was a really awesome conversation, Susan. Thank you so much for having me. This is your aspiring sensei, Susan Light, signing off. If you want to work with me, you can find me at doggydojopodcast.com. I offer video sessions no matter where you're located. The music was written by Mac Light. You can find him at maclightsongwriter.com. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe, rate, review, and share the podcast with other dog lovers. And I'll see you here next Tuesday with a brand new episode of the Doggy Dojo.